Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. It really is like, where are you attaching your worth and what needs to shift in that regard to actually start realizing that you're worthy of love just the way you are without the money, without the sex, without the boobs, without the skinny body. Like, where is it that you get to shift from going, okay, what actually makes me who I am? Like, who am I when I'm just being? What makes me so unique and bloody incredible and deserving of love? When you strip away the labels, when you strip away the possessions, the materialistic crap, what makes you worthy of love? Hey, U-Turners, guess what? It's me here, and I've got Nikki Syme, who is a leading love coach, and she helps empower women in love and helps turn you into a magnet for your soulmate. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I read recently that really resonates is that you don't just fall in love, you can rise in love. And I just love that so much. And so I thought that it would be so great to talk to you, Nikki, about how you maybe, or how anyone who's listening, how people may be sabotaging their relationship and some fundamental beliefs that kind of trickle into relationships if they're not checked and um, worked on. And so thank you so much for being here, Nikki. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be having this conversation with you. I know. Me too. It's, uh, I know you're all the way in Australia, so I'm curious I am. what got you into working on love? Uh, my own personal journey. I struggled. I really, really struggled to, um, to find lasting happiness with a partner. I was really um, a magnet for toxic relationships, toxic men, men who didn't treat me well, didn't speak to me kindly, and were just the total opposite of what I actually wanted. Like I knew what I wanted, but for some reason I just kept attracting the Mm. total opposite of it, and I got so frustrated and just fed up, and I felt so helpless and lost for so long that I thought, right, that's it. Enough is enough. I've got to figure this out. Like what is going on here? And that's what, um, where my journey began into that real self-discovery and reconnecting with myself and getting to know who I was and how I was creating these experiences to then be able to shift all of that, to then be able to become a magnet for my soulmate. And I literally attracted him in in three weeks. So yeah, it's really powerful. Wow. 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 And when you think about like love and you talked about like attracting, um, toxic relationships for anybody listening, um, what are some signs would you say of a toxic relationship? Yeah, cool. So toxic relationships are anything really where you're not feeling 
safe and you're not feeling secure. It could be that, you know, the person that you're with or the man that you're with um, is really rude to you, really controlling. Maybe he doesn't speak to you very kindly. Um, narcissistic behaviours, egomaniacs. Like I had a guy who was an alcoholic, who was a drug addict um, and, you know, drank alcohol every night had sex with me like I was a prostitute like just things like that where you don't feel like for me I'm a big believer that a relationship when it's when it's good and it's right it's a very calm place you feel calm within yes you have your ebbs and flows but you feel generally calm Mm. and in the relationships where you're kind of questioning yourself all the time or you're wondering how he feels about you or like any, just even little things like that can be really toxic because it creates this feeling within yourself that you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not good enough. He's going to leave me. There's fear, there's distrust, there's jealousy, insecurity, all of those things. So Mm. yeah, it's really, it's quite a broad, I think toxicity in relationships can be quite broad. Mm. Um, And it's really anything that just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel aligned for you. Yeah. And sometimes people, you know, they think that it's the person that's toxic, but sometimes it's the chemical match, right? Like two different people together create hundred percent. Yeah. And it's... Like I've been with one guy who, oh, the love that we shared was so intense and so passionate, but because of that and that chemistry that we had for each other, because of that, it meant that our fights were like the same, really passionate, really intense. So there was, you know, physical abuse, there was emotional and verbal abuse. And so that, like, even though we loved each other so much and it had that really extreme high, the toxicity in that was the extreme lows as well in those arguments. Mm. So it can really, you know, show up in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's all and input, yeah. output, right? Like, you know, there's a certain 100%. set of qualities that are going to bring out a calm version of you and a certain set of qualities that are going to bring out a crazy version of you. So it's like, (laughs) you know, and it's interesting because people in personal development, we're told that if we are out of control, that it's us, but sometimes it's the connection. Absolutely. It's that, it's that invisible force that's going on. It's the chemical it's, you know, and some people are sent here, you know, some people are sent to you to trigger you to be that person who does trigger you and create that experience for you to learn and grow from. Mm. And it's not always, us. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful lesson. It's a beautiful experience and a beautiful gift. And sometimes it's not us. It's sometimes we just get that opportunity or it's a lesson to learn to walk away or, you know, to look at ourselves again and see where we still need to heal, that kind of stuff. Well, and I love one thing you said was that when you're in the right relationship, it feels really calm. And so I want to ask you more about that. Cause I think, yeah. um, I'm curious, like what are some other indicators or signs for somebody listening that they're in a good relationship for them? For me, from my own personal experience, I've had the toxic, I've had the real um, insecure, feeling really like out of control, jealous, all of the extreme stuff. And I went on a four-month journey back to myself and really built that beautiful relationship with myself. So when I met Gary, I was really in touch with my intuition. I was really connected to my body. Um, And I'd met a couple of guys before him and my body instantly told me no. And when I met Gary for the first time, I was standing on a beach and he was coming to find me and I kind of was looking down and I looked up and our eyes met and I just instantly knew, like my body just went, I just got this beautiful wave of juicy energy through me. It was really calm. It felt really safe and it felt really familiar. Mm. And 
with him, I feel held. I feel supported. I feel loved. Like I never, ever doubt that he loves me. I know I can trust him. Like it's a really, um, there's not that kind of in past relationships where it has been unhealthy. There's always been that questioning. I've always been up in my head. Whereas with him, I'm always in my body. And I know like, even when we have our, our ebbs, our arguments and our disagreements, there's like, oh my God, this sucks. This is really, really crap. But there's always that knowing inside that I'm in the right place and that this relationship is is safe. Mm. And I think that's probably a big thing is that safe feeling of, okay, yeah, I know I can be myself. I can express myself. I can be honest and truthful and and know that I'm fully held and supported by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really beautiful. That is really beautiful. And mm. um, I think that calmness and that sense of home is what I've heard before. Um, yeah. Why? And even the freedom to be yourself and to still do like have your own life outside of the relationship. Because I think a lot of toxic relationships become incredibly codependent because you're holding on so tight. You feel so insecure and unsafe that you're like, I need to be with you all the time. And I need to, um, have you in my sights and I need to know what you're doing. Whereas with, and I've had that, you know, I've always had that in my previous relationships. Whereas with Gary, it's very much, I go out and I live my life and I have fun and I do my thing and then we come together as a team as well. Mm. So I think that's another beautiful indicator where you feel safe enough Mm -hmm. to be able to be outside of the relationship, having your own life and know that you're still okay and it doesn't mean anything about your relationship. That makes sense. (laughs) It's almost like you know how things are going when you don't have a story about them not texting you back. (laughs) Correct. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we kind of talked before we started recording about a few signs that, or a few beliefs or, um, just core ways of being in the world that could be sabotaging your relationship. And so I want to first kind of, before we jump, jump into those, why do you think people sabotage or why do you think that these things that we're about to get into even exist? My personal belief is a lot of it is to do with programming um, from when we're children, what we're taught about love and relationships and men and, and how they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And also a lot of it is not processing, like not having the healthy processing of pain and experiences that have possibly caused you pain from a partner, like cheating or relationship breakdown. Um, I think this is huge. I think a lot of us are carrying around so much baggage, emotional baggage, because we've been taught to really push down our feelings and not express ourselves, especially anger and sadness and any of the considered negative emotions that aren't, you're not, you're not encouraged to safely express them, right? So I had a beautiful experience actually last weekend where I did some even deeper work on healing my masculine wounding. And that was even a bigger realization. Like every single woman, there was about 30 women who took part in this and every single woman was sobbing. And I was like, wow, this is huge. Like there is so much pain here that is still yet to be healed. What do you mean so when I you really... say masculine wounding? Cause I know everyone listening, that might not be a term that they've heard. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so things like things that have happened with your dad, for example, say that your daddy issues, we've all heard of daddy issues, right, where yeah. you've lost trust in men because of something that he's done or and he never apologized for or a partner that you've been um, with who cheated on you, who never said sorry and you didn't process it properly or you don't feel like you got the closure on it. So it 
like these experiences actually create anchors in our body and at a cellular level if we don't allow ourselves to process the emotion and the feeling that comes through that it stays in our system and that's what becomes our trigger points so if you don't process that chances are like if you've been cheated on you'll have a belief that men are untrustworthy you'll go into another relationship believing that men are untrustworthy and sure enough you're going to keep repeating a pattern of attracting untrustworthy men because you haven't processed that pain you haven't released it and you haven't allowed yourself to let it go so for me I had a lot of daddy stuff Mm. um, a lot of father stuff that had actually been coming up it was really interesting it had been coming up a lot um, in the last few months again I thought I'd dealt with it but obviously it's constantly peeling back of layers and this event that I went to, I had no idea why I was going. I just knew I had to be there. And as soon as this part happened, I was just like, okay, this is why I'm here. And I released so much through that experience, I released a lot of those wounds and allowed them to heal a lot more, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And so kind of going into sabotage, like I know that, <clears throat> you know, just through working in personal development all these years, we all have different set points of how good we're willing to let things be until we start yes. to sabotage them and put them back to our comfort zone because it You've feels so uncomfortable. Um, it's been a really long time, a really yeah. long time. <laughs> Those bloody upper threshold limits. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's a great book um, for anybody who's great listening, book. Big Leap by Hendrix. Um, but yeah. I'm kind of curious, um, you know, you've given a few different categories we could talk about, like jealousy, insecurity, self-trust, comparison. And the first uh-huh. belief that we'd kind of talked about that's very common that sabotages relationships is the I'm not good enough complex. Uh-huh. And I would love to kind of like hear about what are you seeing with your clients with this? How does it show up? Because that that mask can be worn for many reasons. I'm not good enough because I don't make enough money. I'm not good enough because I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not funny enough. So how do you ever get a hold on that? And how does it <laughs> yeah, sabotage? Look, it's It very much comes down to that relationship that you have with yourself so that I'm not good enough for everyone who's listening and you know I really want to drive this home is that if you are feeling this you're not alone this is actually a universal belief the I'm not good enough belief Mm. and the thing is we're not born into this world believing this we possibly have some generational stuff at a cellular level going on but when we come into the world, we are pure joy. We are born as joy and love, and that's all we know. And then through our childhood, so through the ages of zero to seven, that's our programming years. That's when our brain is in um, a of brainwave, which is our programming, where we um, are literally in a meditative state. So everything we're experiencing and seeing is getting programmed into us as, a, as our way of being. So including beliefs, so anything that you hear from your mom, your dad, your friends, your sisters, your like role models, anyone who's directly in your space impacts the way that you show up in the world at later dates after these years. And the I'm not good enough is generally from, you know, things being told like, oh, why can't you be more like, like I got, why can't you be more like your sister or things around curly hair and not believing that because I have curls and I hated my curls for a long time because society was like, well, straight hair is what's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, well, there's not, I'm not good enough because I don't have straight hair. So a lot of this stuff is programmed at a really young age. And then what happens is that we carry that through. So we've create this belief, oh, I'm not good enough because I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. And what I find with my clients is predominantly around like those two things. I don't look a certain way. Um, 
my body is like, you know, maybe I'm too big or um, I'm too much. That's another massive one. Much, I'm too emotional, I'm too intimidating for men, that kind of stuff. With those beliefs, we start carrying them through and we seek out situations in our lives subconsciously often to validate that belief Mm. because we've got this story running in the back of our minds and it's like, see, this is what I believe, seek out an experience, get that validated, see, I was right. Mm. Okay, and then it, it just continues. But it's not until we actually spend the time to gain awareness of, okay, what am I actually believing? Like what is actually going on in my mind that's causing me to believe this? And is it mine? Mm -hmm. Do I really believe this? Or is this just something that I've been told? And for me, curly hair was a big one. I hated them. I was constantly straightening my hair, everything, until one day I stopped and went, Nick, what do you actually believe? Is this your belief? And I was like, hell no, like, I love my curls. Like, I love having curly hair. I think it's really beautiful. And from that day forward, I, it's shifted, shifted because I chose to actually listen to myself, trust that connection with myself rather than society, friends, whatever, that's been feeding me this BS of, oh, you'd have to have straight hair to be beautiful. Mm. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not choosing that anymore. And I made that decision. And then I said about doing what I needed to do to rewire my brain essentially to choose the belief that I was right for me and what felt good for me. Mm, Okay. So kind of looking at this, like, let's give a practical example. So for example, I could always be the guinea pig here on U-turn. Like I, for a long time, thought my body was too curvy. Mm. Like, like, oh, I'm not skinny enough, you know? Yep. Um, or I'm not fit enough because I'm not really good at exercise. Like I do it, but I'm not incredible at it. Yep. So yeah, like how would you facilitate that for anybody listening? Because I think a lot of women right now think they're not skinny enough. So I figured this is a nice common one. Yeah, this is a great one. And it is it's so, so common. So it's really like, okay, spending that time to sit down. Okay, so what are the actual thoughts that I'm thinking on a daily basis? So really getting clear and you spend a couple of days just bringing real awareness to your thoughts because often it's subconscious, like you'll walk walk past a mirror or a window and subconsciously think, oh, my ass is too fat and just keep going. And it's not even a, like you're not even aware of it. So the first thing is to start bringing your awareness to the thoughts that are going through your mind on a daily basis and writing them down. And then I do a practice with my girls where it's about releasing that old thought. So we write down the negative thought like, um, you know, I my butt is too big or I am not skinny enough. And we actually grab a pen and we strike it through and we say, you know, I now choose to release this belief because I know it no longer serves me. I now choose. And then we rewrite an affirmation. We rewrite the new belief. And then it's about, and this is the thing, and this is where I think a lot of people get caught up is that, they think that they can do it once and it's going to change. But we've got to remember that however long, however old you are, you've been thinking a certain way for that amount of time. And the thing about beliefs is that they're literally just a re- like a habitual thought that you've repeated time and time and time again that's created a feeling in your body and then they turn that into a belief. So your anchor point, that trigger point, creates the feeling and then you've got that thought process running. So it's just constantly feeding this belief. Mm. So what we get to do is start changing that. So I also get the girls to wear a rubber band around their wrist and anytime they notice their thought, they snap that rubber band. Mm. And that is literally 
Because when we're up in our heads, you know, we're not connected to our bodies at all. We're all up in our heads. We're going crazy in our minds. Mm -hmm. And so what the rubber band does is that that snap, that little bit of pain brings you back into the present moment. And then you say, cancel, cancel, which is a a command to the universe that you're like, no, this isn't, I do not have space for this anymore. And then you start like repeating that affirmation. Mm. I am perfect and whole and beautiful just the way I am. I love my body. I am worthy of love just the way I am. My body does not define me. So whatever it is that you've chosen. But the thing is it has to be repeated. It has to be a conscious choice to be repeating this stuff, writing it down every day. I have um, it written on my mirrors, anything that I'm trying to change, written on my mirrors, and post-it notes in my car, alarms going off on my phone, like you've got to have this new information going in constantly. And eventually, and I know this 100% for sure because I've experienced it, eventually that new belief becomes your habitual thought okay. and it takes over. But it's that practice. It's got to be consistent. You've got to keep going because you're, you're literally unwiring your brain that's been thinking in a certain way for however many years. For me, it was like 20 years to then create these new thoughts. And the beauty that comes with the awareness is that it can actually shift really quickly. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Job Offer Academy, our e-course to help you land a new job you love. So if you're sick of applying for jobs and never hearing back, and you'd like to try a free version of our job hunting course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash job offer. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash job offer. Now let's get back to this week's episode. So I'm thinking about this, I'm not good enough and how it's showing up in some of my friends' relationships. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot, one of it is I don't make enough money. Like I'm not as capable as him. I have friends that are going through that in their marriage where they don't feel like they have enough of a say because they aren't as successful as their partner or something like that. Um, and I also have friends who have stories that like, uh, like um, there's different things in relationships, right? So other ones are like sex, like um, maybe their husband doesn't want to have sex with them or their sex drive goes lower and they think mm-hmm. I'm not desirable enough. So what are some, I, I know you, kind of your method just now around, you know, um, snapping the rubber band, noticing it. Um, but what do you think that's about when people are going through that and they start going into stories about their body image if their husband doesn't want them or their capability if they're not earning? Like, what do you think is happening? So that is very much being attached, like what they're attaching their worth to. So if you believe that you are only worthy through the amount of money that you make through someone wanting to have sex with you. So for me, it was sex. I believed that I was only worthy of love if a guy, I was good enough and only worthy of love if a guy wanted to have sex with me. So I had a lot of sexual partners when I was younger um, and I always used that as a form of feeling good enough and worthy enough. So it really is like where are you attaching your worth and what needs to shift in that regard to actually start realising that you're worthy of love just the way you are without the money, without the sex, without the boobs, without the skinny body. Like where is it that you get to shift from going, okay, what actually makes me who I am like who am I when I'm just being what makes me so unique and bloody incredible and deserving of love when you strip away the labels when you strip away the possessions the materialistic crap what makes you worthy of love and asking yourself that question 
And when somebody, like, let's say this comes up, you know, and there's, I don't know, very real things in a relationship that might be an incompatibility, you know, um, and there's nothing wrong with the other person. It just means that these two people are incompatible. So where do you draw that line of like, this isn't a match or this is like the stories I have. Like, for example, my friend whose husband's sex drive went down. She's in a whole story about her body. Um, and she's in an, I'm not good enough story, but maybe that's just an indicator that they're not a match. There's not an attraction there. So how do you kind of dictate when an issue is just feedback that, that the relationship isn't a match versus, oh, I have to work on myself. That very much comes down to a level of self-trust and knowing yourself and whether or not you are living in alignment with, you know, who you are, what your values are. Um, like the lack of sex for a man's sex drive to diminish, like and anything, I don't like, it's really hard to kind of say without having a good chat to her or being closer to the person. But that generally tends to mean that there's something really missing for him. So guys love sex, right? And mm -hmm. sex is generally the way that guys show their love. So I would be yeah, just sitting down and having having a, a real conversation with him. And then it really comes to, okay, it, it comes back to honouring yourself. Like if you're in something that you know, like you feel like you just don't feel right inside, that should be your biggest indicator. Mm. Getting out of the head, because what often what happens is that we get so caught up in our head and trying to figure everything else out that we forget that we actually already know the answer to everything that we need. We don't need advice from anyone else. We don't need, and we're so often afraid to actually be honest with ourselves and be like, okay, this isn't working anymore. Mm. In regards to the self-work, like, always checking in. I'm constantly checking in, like, and that comes down to radical self-responsibility, which I'm so freaking passionate about, is that when you take control of yourself in that way and take responsibility for yourself and you know that you are showing up in a way that feels right and aligned for you and then the things in the relationship still aren't working, then you get to make decisions based on your own happiness mm. and being like, okay, this isn't working for me anymore. And just have an honest conversation. Mm. Like be honest with each other. And this is where it gets so messed up is that people are so afraid to speak their truth because they're so afraid of what the result might be happen, happen. Yet they're willing to stay in something that's causing them misery because they're so afraid of being alone. And it's it's this vicious cycle. Whereas often, like every time, like Gary and I, like we have ebbs and flows, we have ups and downs. We had a, a bust up a few days ago where we were both feeling really disconnected and a bit bored in the relationship. And, you know, we've got two kids and a third on the way and we have very little time for ourselves. But we sit down and we have those harder conversations with each other, mm. those real conversations and be like, okay, this is where I'm at. And often he's feeling the same. But from that space, you get to actually make decisions together on, okay, how do we fix it? Like not fix it, but how do we grow from this? How do we expand from this? How do we make this better so that we either remain in a relationship or we go our separate ways? Mm. Because at the end of the day, like, you don't know when your time is up, right? You have no idea when this life is going to be taken from you or you're going to move on to the next dimension or whatever it is that you believe. So, so many people get so stuck in this, oh, this fear and, oh, my God, and, and, and are living these lives that are just not happy. But then, boom, it could be gone in any moment. So it's really 
I really teach my girls to feel empowered and to know themselves enough to be able to really stand up and be strong in their truth and speak their truth without that fear. Mm. And that's about building that relationship with self and getting to that place within. Like when I met Gary, I was happy if I never met anyone ever again. I knew I had my back. I was like, yes, I'm so good. I'm so complete. I feel so whole within that if I never meet a partner, I will be happy as. Mm. And he came in as an added bonus and now if it gets to a point where I'm miserable more than I'm happy, I will stand up and be like, this isn't working for me because at the end of the day, I want him to be happy. I want me to be happy. I want my kids to be happy and I'm not going to sit there and waste time, I guess, in something because I just don't know when my number is going to be up. Oh, amazing. And so that I'm not good enough kind of comes under insecurity and, or, and jealousy kind of shows up as I'm not good enough. Um, yeah, I think that I'm not good enough tends to feed majority. Like that is really the one that's like it feeds the insecurity, the jealousy, the the body image stuff, the I'm too much stuff. Like, and it's, if that's the, anything, if you want to concentrate on anything, it would really be around that worth, like that self worth of really connecting with who you are. You know, how do you value yourself? Mm-hmm. How do you value yourself? Because when you value yourself, others will value you too. And you have your boundaries in place. You have your, you know, your negotiables and non-negotiables and you stand by them. Mm. And when you kind of, another point that we talked about that sabotages relationships is the belief that you can't trust men. Yes. Um, I, I have seen this on friends, like you can't trust men and it's totally woven into their conversation. So what is that mm-hmm. really about? I would say there's two things happening there. One is they've either been hurt in the past and they have not processed that emotion and then they don't, two, they don't trust themselves to then be able to choose a quality guy. Mm -hmm. And this is something that's actually come up for my partner. No, sorry, not my partner, one of my clients. She, her and I worked together for about six months and she just got to the most incredible place. She met an amazing man, this beautiful, beautiful man. And then she started developing feelings for him and she freaked out and she shut down mm. and went into sabotage mode. So we've been working together. She's still with him and, and she actually told him that she loved him yesterday, which is amazing. Mm. But her biggest fear was that, and what it came down to was that I don't trust myself to be able to choose a quality guy because she had been in such a toxic relationship and trusted this guy and being felt naive or, you know, like she was stupid for having trusted him and how that impacted her life for 10 years. So it's building that that relationship. And this is the thing, like it always comes back to this, is building that relationship with yourself to know. Because she, when she met him, she knew. She knew straight away that he was like, she trusted her body, but then her head kicked in and her ego and her fear kicked in. And that was when she started freaking out. But when we managed to like really dissect what was going on inside of her mind and what was causing this. And that clicked and shifted. She dropped back into her body and was like, actually, I do. I love him. I actually do love him. I was like, yes, I know. Yes, yeah, you, you do. I know. <laughs> and I'm so glad you figured that out. So, mm. yeah, it's really, it really does come down to that whole, the healing, like the deeper healing, not the surface stuff. Like, yeah, crying's one thing and journaling and stuff, but it's about going in and really, really allowing yourself to process the pain which mm. and the anger and all of the emotion that's attached to that experience to truly allow it to release and then 
taking that control back of your mind and and choosing, trusting yourself again, learning how to trust yourself, getting to know yourself again, and then, yeah, stepping into that empowered place of I know that because of the work that I've done on myself and the place that I am in and that I am trustworthy, I will attract a trustworthy man. Ah, okay. So it's funny because I had some, I dated some men who weren't available and I always told, asked them friends, like, how do I know when I'm not doing this anymore? And they're like, cause you'll choose somebody that's available. And I'm like, oh yeah, it is that simple that your outer reality will just look different when you've worked enough with your inner reality. Um, but you brought up something that I think is really interesting. You talked about that beginning phase of the relationship and how we open our hearts and we, and this happens with so many things, you know, and we're taught in society, don't get your hopes up or you're waiting for the shoe to drop. Right. And it's like so many people, like you start to fall in love or you start to find real happiness and then you're afraid you're going to lose it. And you start to close up and put fear and walls around you. So what is happening in those early stages Um, or even in another stage of a relationship where you're going even deeper and you want to start to retreat? What is it about intimacy that makes people close when it starts to get so close to them? It's just fear. It always comes back to that fear, fear of being hurt, fear of being left, fear of vulnerability, fear of intimacy, fear of actually being seen for who they truly are and not being good enough. Um, it's, yeah, it's always fear related. Um, and the only way that you can move through that is by facing the fear Mm. and the open communication. Like I had a lot of stuff, I had a lot of stuff around porn actually when I, um, when I was with, so my first boyfriend that I was ever with, he was cheating on me, but I didn't know. And all I knew was that he stopped having sex with me and all he wanted to do was watch pornography and masturbate. Mm. And so I was like, what is going on? Like, why don't you want to make love to me? What's happening? And then when I found out he was cheating, that created a trigger point in my body that was like, okay, when someone's watching porn all the time, they're cheating on me. Mm. So I associated porn with cheating wow. from that experience. Yeah. And this was something that whenever I was single and by myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. Like I would watch it myself and, and didn't have a problem with it when I was single. But as soon as I got into a relationship, initially because I was open and carefree and I hadn't really started developing feelings for someone yet, I would be cool with it and I'd be like, yeah, I'm the cool chick, I'm the cool girlfriend, I'm sweet ass. But then as soon as my heart started to get invested in the relationship, that's when that trigger would go. Mm. I'd be like, right, now I'm feeling vulnerable. Now I'm feeling really insecure. Now I know he watches porn. He's fucking cheating on me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then that would flick and that was my sabotage. That was my pattern of sabotage. Mm. So... And this happened with Gary. And luckily for me, Gary's a very patient man and he supported me through this. But that was how we, I knew that, you know, he and I were meant to be together and I knew he was the one that was going to help me heal this. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's the, and, but it's that awareness as well. So with the awareness comes the ability to make the change. So I knew what I was doing and I was able to express it to him. I was still having the responses and having the freakouts and all of that stuff. But because I was aware of it and being able to express it to him and talk to him about it, he didn't just freak out and, like, get the hell away from me. I can't do this. He was patient with me and had that understanding. So 
it really comes down to like if you're if this is a pattern for you, look back through your relationships and see what that trigger is. Mm-hmm. Like at what point in all of your relationships do you trigger that fear of? And it'll be when that heart starts to open. And it, and I don't know what like you're all everyone's kind of trigger will be different. It's like maybe they have been cheated on and and they attach something to it like I did with the porn or um, maybe it's something to do with him wanting to go out and see his friends means that he's not in love with you anymore and that he's going to leave you. Um, It could be anything, but it's really about going back and looking at your past relationships and going, okay, so what's the, like the consistent theme here? What's the consistent pattern? Because in that you will discover what the trigger is and where you need to heal in order for you to progress past that point. Mm. So it's like, and it won't, it won't come up until you're in a relationship. Like, and this is what I say, like a lot of my clients are like, yes, I feel amazing. I'm ready. And then they'll get into relationships and they'll be triggered. And I said, the work, like the work that you do on yourself is amazing. And so, so important because you've got to have that foundation of awareness and self-trust and knowing because when you get into a relationship, that's where the real work's going to begin because this person is going to trigger you in all of those ways, but because you've done the work and you've set that foundation, you've got the tools, you'll be able to move through it. Yeah. It's like uh, this idea that you can't really say the wrong thing to the right person. Correct. Mm. Exactly. And kind of just as I'm thinking about what you've shared here about people, like as soon as their heart opens, it's like, that's when certain behaviors might show up or they want to retreat and run away. Um, so kind of working through that, like, how do you identify that? Because I'm thinking about my past relationships and my heart's usually open and I'm just, I think in the past, but right now I'm in such a healthy relationship, but in the past, it's like, um, I had a fear, like the guy would just kind of let me down or not show up for me anymore because there were so many men that started strong and then they would bail, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So even that belief was, you kept creating that experience, like oh, the men are unreliable and they don't show up. Like they're there for the honeymoon period and then they're like gone. Mm. So the more that you believe that and go, okay, well, this is how it is, you'll just keep experiencing that until Mm. you shift that mindset of actually the man that I'm going to be with is going to have my back. He is 100% supportive. He's reliable. He doesn't just like disown me and disappear. I know. And any guy that does that is not your guy. Mm. you know it's going okay cool see you later and that's where that whole relationship with self comes in it's like that confidence and knowing sweet this is not what I want anyway someone who's going to do this to me is not who I want anyway and I'm creating space now thank you like wish them well thank you for creating the space in my life now to call in my king who is a a king you know a man in every sense of the word who shows up who does what he says he's going to do who um is there for me and doesn't just disappear like this so helpful and as far as, you know, other triggers and, and sabotage tendencies, um, the third belief that we kind of talked about that could be sabotaging relationships is around comparison, that the belief that the person you want won't want you. Um, where yep. does that come from? What are the roots in that? Again, everyone's going to be different, um, but it's going to be past experiences. You know, maybe it's... um something that your dad didn't choose you or the boy at school didn't choose you and it created this trigger. Um, and yeah, it, it literally will, it, it's what, and that's where you just got to go back into yourself and realize, okay, well, this is where it's formed. And, and when you have that understanding, like it's really that 
that, okay, the clarity that comes with, oh, okay, I see why this happens. I see why I have this belief. I don't believe I'm worthy because Jeremy, when I was five, chose Aaron over me. And that made me believe in that moment that guys won't choose me. Mm. And then you carry that through your life and you keep experiencing it. So it's when it's that whole shifting. Okay, this is what I've believed no, I don't want that anymore. I'm now choosing to believe that I am worthy. I am going to be chosen. But not even that, girls. Like, you get to choose, right? It's not about being chosen. You get to choose each other. And that comes down to knowing, like, what you're worthy of, knowing what you want, mm-hmm. clarity on what you want and not being willing to, set, willing to settle, like, boom. And I think that's something that we women have been fed for years and years that we have to be chosen, Mm. And it's, we have so much more power than that. Like, no, okay. we get to choose. Mm. And, and I guess like when it comes to love, it's like you keep, it's trial and error. Like you have to learn about yourself through the relationship and most relationships statistically won't be it because you're looking for the most important one of your life, you know? And so yeah. I guess I'm kind of just curious for anybody who's searching right now and, um, and they're working through these beliefs. Um, what are some practices outside of monitoring it? Because that feels so laser focused, you know, but what are some self-love practices that you could recommend to people listening right now? Stop looking for love. Stop looking for him. The moment that you stop and focus on yourself and just start having fun, living your life, doing the things that light you up, he's going to just come to you. He's just going to appear without you even, and I know like I'm sure we've all heard it, is that when you stop looking, he shows up, it's true. Like when you are focusing on yourself and just taking care of yourself, nourishing yourself, filling your cup up, looking after you and going out and having fun, you're going to become a magnet for your guy. He's going to show up. Mm. So that's probably like one of the biggest ones. And just, yeah, just being present, like, releasing the pressure because I know there's a lot of pressure of for women to be in a relationship especially if you're like 30 and you're still single and it's like oh my gosh you want to have kids and all that when we create that pressure on ourselves we actually block ourselves Mm. and we'll end up settling for something that isn't right that doesn't align that doesn't feel really good and juicy for us and essentially block you know we don't create the space for that amazing relationship to come into. And I think, you know, with the, the whole knowing when people say, when you know, you know, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's really is true, but it comes from, it's not a, it's not a logical knowing. It's a, it's a soul knowing your body tells you. Mm. And I, I knew it as soon as I saw Gary and I know majority of my friends who are in amazing relationships had it too. And it's not something you can understand. And I know that's not helpful at all. And it's like frustrated, frustrating. I used to get so frustrated when people say, when you know, you know, and I'm like, well, what do you mean when you know, you know, mm. but stop trying to figure it all out and just really focus on having fun, living your life, mm-hmm. doing the things that, you know, that you love and that you would love to do with a partner, start putting yourself in those places that, you know, maybe you want to do Latin dancing together, go and start taking Latin dancing classes, or maybe you want to travel together, start traveling, like start putting yourself in those places where he's going to be, but not looking for him essentially. So helpful. And um, where can everybody find you after this episode? Cause I know they're going to want to look up your blogs or whatever they can find to keep reading. 
Yeah, awesome. So I have a podcast actually which as well, which is called Love Unleashed Podcast, which you can find on my website, which is nikkisyme.com. It's N-I-K-I-I-S-Y-M-E.com. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram at Nikki Syme as well as Facebook. Oh, thank you so much, Nikki. So great. Oh, my pleasure. It was so, so beautiful conversing and sharing this with you. I love it. <laughs> Hey friends, I love this episode with Nikki because I think that there has got to be one of you listening, if not many of you listening right now, that if you're radically honest with yourself, you know that you are not falling in love with somebody or rising in love uh, with somebody, but rather choosing something that is destructive or toxic for your well-being. And I am so excited to talk to you today because... Um, you know, I was doing research for the U-turn book and one of the pieces of research that I found when I was writing it was talking about how we make 35,000 decisions every single day. It's a lot of decisions. Like it, it makes me feel so humble to our brain and all of the things that it's thinking about and processing at any given moment. And when I reflected on the numbers, I, I realized, wow, we make more than a billion decisions in our life. And yet... Uh, the research also indicates that there's only a few key, key, key decisions that change everything for us in our life. The first decision is usually around career. Um, another decision is around geography, like where we decide to be located. Another decision is around the life partner we choose. Um, and I would argue that some small decisions that kind of are equally potentially significant are the partners we choose before the partner, the ultimate partner that we choose if you are monogamous and you choose to enter into marriage. And the reason for that is because I think each partner we choose leaves us a little imprint on us and we either react to our last partner or run towards something that... Um, you know, we either run away from something we learned from our last partner or towards it, meaning they showed us something that we want more of. And I think that that influences our, our future decisions. And in my case, I was um, always in really healthy relationships. I had a really uh, long-term boyfriend in high school. I had a couple in college. And then for five years after college, I was with a really good guy who really meant well and just wasn't the right guy for me. And there were so many moments that I felt like it wasn't a fit for me. And it ultimately came to a head when it came down to deciding if we should get married and I couldn't go through with it. And I decided to part ways with him. And I'll never forget his heartbreak and my own and my guilt for holding on to him in my life. And there were a couple things missing with him that I really wanted. And I remember I swung the complete other direction and ended up in a toxic relationship. And, and it's so funny because I always, well, it's not really funny, but I always think when somebody calls somebody else crazy, they're the crazy one. You know, if I was going to buy into any judgment about it. Um, but, and so here I am going to tell you, you know, this guy just had certain things about him that were so destructive for me to be around. And I was operating under this thought that my growth had to be painful, that it had to be hard. And it looked like me telling myself that whenever I would come to him, you know, I would know in my heart that something was off and I would share it with him. Like maybe he said something that was hurtful, that was offline. I, I would say it to him 
and confront him with kindness. And for some reason, I would always leave the conversation apologizing, feeling like I did something wrong. And I operated under the delusion that we all sometimes buy into with personal development that I need to take responsibility and look at where I co-created that situation. When in truth, he was just toxic for me. And what I want to lead you to understand is that sometimes one person is totally healthy for another person and totally toxic for another person. And it, it comes down to the chemical bond that happens between two people. So for some people, for some duos, it's really healthy. For other duos, it's really toxic. And yes, there are some people out there that are just really working through toxic habits and they're going to be toxic for anybody they're with. And in my case, when I really looked at who I wanted to be, and this is what I want to offer you as an exercise, I would write down all of the things that were me at my best. So when I think about me at my best, and I want to invite you to think about you at your best. And after this audio and after this conversation with me right now, I would love for you to write it down on a piece of paper. What are all of the traits or all of the ways of your being in the world when you are at your best? What does it look like? Um, maybe you are more social, maybe you're more chatty, maybe you're more funny, easygoing, whatever. Those are some things for me. Like when I'm at my best, I'm easy. I'm humorous. I love people. I'm lit up. I'm in my joy. Um, I don't have any anxiety. Like I just wrote down so many different things that showed me at my best. And then the next thing, this is a game changer as I ask myself, what kind of person, what kind of chemical bond, what kind of chemical reaction, causes me to bring more of that out. And I wrote down on the other side of my column, this kind of guy brings out that side of me. And when I wrote it all down, it was like someone who's really calm, someone who's really easygoing, someone who's really funny, someone who's really witty. I wrote down all of these things and I was able to look at the partner I was choosing and look at the list of this is the kind of traits that bring out my best traits. And I was able to see the gap and it was able, I was able to look at it and say, this has made my decision for me. And I know a lot of you listening right now, maybe you're in a marriage and you're buying into the belief that, you know, you're stuck. And you can choose that. It depends on what your beliefs are about the world. But to me, um, the greatest love that we have in our lives is, is with ourselves. And to me, it was about looking deeply into myself and saying, wow, I don't like who I'm becoming. All of my worst, lowest self things were happening in this connection and they'd never happened before. And since then, I've actually found the person that I'm spending my life with. So they haven't happened again. But in this partnership, it was so toxic. I was in my smallest version of myself. I remember I was scared all the time, nervous, anxious, worried to speak up. I wasn't funny anymore because I was in the belief that I was being too much for the person. And I was just in such a smallness. And it's so interesting that when we don't get what we want in one connection or in a job, it could be a job, a relationship, sometimes we run the complete opposite direction. It's like a pendulum that swings and we go so far away from what we really want, which is often usually in the middle. And in my case, I had so many safe, beautiful relationships that I ran the opposite direction into an edgy, scary relationship because I wanted more adventure in my life and the guy was very adventurous. So my invitation to you is to really ask yourself, what do you really need from another person? What kind of person brings out the best in you? So it starts with you writing down all of the qualities that you think you embody when you're at your best. And then write down, what are the qualities in a person that bring out that side of you? It makes things really easy for you to look at your life and look at whether you're rising in love 
or descending downward in a spiral in love. Uh, I'm so honored to be on this podcast with you talking about these things with you. And here are a few indicators for you if you are wondering whether you are in a toxic relationship. Um, number one, you go to the person and you really feel inside of yourself like you you feel like that you were wronged in some way and you just want to have a cleaning conversation to clear the air and let them know how you felt. You always leave those conversations apologizing or being made wrong. That is one of the biggest indicators you're in a toxic relationship. Another one is usually high highs and low lows. Usually that's a reflection of a chemical bond that's going on between you. So the high highs look like you're so in love and it's usually followed. Usually the highest intimacy periods are followed by the lowest lows. So the closer you get, uh, unfortunately, the closer around the corner you are from a meltdown with that person. So it's really looking at, you know, high highs and low lows, that roller coaster that you might be on. And there's a lot of research that indicates that that's addictive and that's in your nervous system that you get used to that. Um, so really looking at that as well. Um, another thing with toxic relationships has to do with how you argue. So do they say unkind things to you and end up apologizing? Are they able to hear you and take the constructive um, feedback and, and really respond back with you by validating you? And that's another thing is validation. So maybe you don't see where somebody's coming from or or maybe you don't agree with somebody, sorry, but you can see where they're coming from. So validation looks like this. Um, maybe I feel like the person was rude and they don't think they were rude. Um, the least they could do is say, I I'm sorry for how you feel. Here's where I was coming from. Um, people who are toxic usually are not able to validate. So if you say, I'm sad, they'll say, you shouldn't be sad. They just don't validate, oh, I'm sorry that you're sad or I'm here for you or why are you sad? That's validation. That's holding space. Um, you know, a lack of validation could look like, hey, you hurt my feelings. You always think your feelings are hurt. You know, like making you wrong versus holding the space and landing onto a landing pad with you onto your feelings. It doesn't mean the other person has to agree with you, but validation is one of the most important tools in relationships. And it doesn't mean you're in a toxic relationship if it doesn't exist, but it does mean it's something to pay attention to. So I hope this was helpful. I trust that whoever was meant to hear this today will. And um, as always, feel free to connect with me on the gram at Ashley Stahl. And I send you all the light that, and I hope you're having a beautiful day. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode.